This is an AMI podcast. I'm Kelly McDonald. I'm Ramia Amadin, and this is Kelly and Ramia. Whether they provide us with companionship and income, food, or serve a critical role in the ecosystems that support us, animals are vital to human health. Have fun with us as we learn about animal-related topics and about the amazing bond we share with our animal friends. Danielle, maybe we've heard on the news or on TV about the issues regarding antibiotics and the formation of so-called superbugs. And these are bacteria that are resistant to almost all antibiotics. It's concerning. Uh, this phenomenon of antimicrobial resistance has caused all kinds of issues in human medicine as well. And it's uh, um, um, led to doctors prescribing way less antibiotics than they used to in times before. But... The reason why you're bringing it up today is because vets also prescribe antibiotics for all species of animals that they care for. So this issue affects this industry also. What is antimicrobial resistance? How does it affect our pets and their vets? And does it have any implications beyond animal health? That's all the stuff we're going to talk about today. Ooh. And we're going to break down some of this stuff. I know. I wonder how long, how much we'll be able to follow along, Danielle. How do bacteria become resistant to antibiotics? Can we start there? Sure. And don't worry, we'll, we're going to do it in layman's terms. Okay, no medical needs today? Not <laughs> no medical I, th- I think we'll, Rum, we'll you just said it all, right, that. Danielle? <laughs> yeah. I'm explaining. If you can follow me to this point, then hopefully we're good. Okay. Now Danielle will interpret. <laughs> yes. Well, to explain it in layman terms, you know, we'll just say that some bacteria have an edge or an advantage with respect to surviving exposure to certain drugs, you know. So, for example, they might be weakened by an antibiotic, but maybe it isn't quite enough to kill them. So, you know, in a treatment situation, you know, this storm of antibiotics sweeps through the bacterial invaders, you know, killing everything in its path except for those bacteria with that edge, right? So if there are a few that somehow manage to survive and then reproduce, all of their descendants will have the same edge for survival. And if if a few of those go on to develop an additional advantage against the same antibiotic, they are more likely to survive and pass on that resistance as well. And we also know that some bacteria can exchange genetic information between them so they can pass some of these traits to others, right? And we also have to remember that bacteria are this amazing form of life, you know, like unlike us multicellular organisms, you know, where we have lots and lots of cells in our bodies um, and we take a long time to, you know, make more of ourselves. um, Bacteria measure their generations in minutes or hours, not months, years or decades like the rest of us do, right? Um, So to give you an idea of how fast that reproductive rate really is, when we grow bacteria in the lab to identify them, one microscopic bacterial cell deposited on, you know, what they grow them in in the lab can multiply enough times to turn into a colony of bacteria that is visible to the naked eye in two days or less. So to give you an analogy, that's like trying to see a single Lego block on the ground from space and then looking again two days later to see a mountain built from lego blocks so that's fast right yeah man it's a phenomenal when you think about it um tell us how in the case of yourself as a vet how does drug resistant uh, bacteria affect veterinary medicine well you know 
drug-resistant bacteria are a big problem for vets and for their patients. Um, with that incredibly fast population growth that we talked about, it doesn't take very long at all for that genetic change to happen. Um, and it doesn't take very long for the more successful genetic changes to spread through bacterial populations. So, you know, the first big impact we see is that we do sometimes see infections that don't respond to most common antibiotics. And I've personally seen this happen with some urinary tract infections. And one of the other most frustrating things to treat are ear infections caused by a drug-resistant strain of a bacteria called Pseudomonas aeruginosa. And I mean, these are horrific infections for both vets and the dogs that get them. I mean, we're talking about flipping over the floppy part of the ear to find this brick red, swollen and hideously painful mess. Um, Eardrops and oral antibiotics are not going to cut it. <laughs> Some mm. of these patients need extraordinary measures to restore and maintain their quality of life. So, I mean, these resistant infections can be really difficult things to manage when they crop up. Um, the other big impact we see in veterinary medicine has to do with the concept of One Health, which, you know, we've talked about before on the show. So One Health is a concept that acknowledges that the health of humans, animals, and the environment are all interlinked. And how that relates to antimicrobial resistance in bacteria can be seen in how cautious veterinarians have to be in prescribing antibiotics. And, you know, this is really especially true for food animals like dairy cows and pigs, as examples. Um, inappropriate prescribing for food animals can make the bacteria in their bodies resistant to these antibiotics. And since those animals and their food products are in close contact with humans, you know, that gives us potential for that resistance to spread to bacteria that can infect humans as well. And so, you know, we, we have some antibiotics that you're just not allowed to use them in food producing animals. And even though companion animal veterinarians are not as restricted, we still have to prescribe appropriately for similar reasons. I mean, you know, we don't want our pets becoming infected with drug resistant bacteria that could potentially spread to people that are in contact with that pet. And, you know, we don't want to see people getting sick and having limited treatment options because of that process. So, you know, we all have to be sort of conscious of the problem and, you know, select our cases appropriately. It's um, a lot of things to consider and also thinking, you know, how normal and typical it is for uh, antibiotics to be prescribed to kind of think in these angles or to understand that it may not be the you know, tell-all solution is kind of interesting, Danielle. What are some things that contribute to the development, like the actual development of anti um, um, antibiotic uh, resistance in bacteria? Well, there's some general categories to consider here. And of course, the most obvious is any situation that favors the spread of disease. So if we remember... Um, how fast those bacteria reproduce, this becomes really relevant. So, you know, we know that animals and people, you know, they need clean water, fresh air and good sanitation to help prevent the spread of disease. So, you know, we want to make sure that, you know, we're doing that, which isn't so much of an issue, I think, you know, for most people, but, you know, in, in other areas like refugee camps and stuff like that, and, you know, shelter situations for pets and that, I mean, these can be real issues. 
Um, we can also use things like vaccinations to boost immunity. So, um, of course, you know, another situation encouraging the development of resistance is the overuse of antibiotics. So, you know, we really shouldn't be treating infections with antibiotics if the animal's immune system can handle the problem without our intervention. And of course, the last thing is misusing antibiotics. So this includes things like not finishing the prescription, taking leftover medications from another pet's prescription and giving them to somebody else or another pet, or using medications in ways that you know your veterinarian didn't tell you to. So in other words, don't do some of the foolish things we do with each other as humans. Don't do bad stuff. Yeah, don't do bad stuff. <laughs> There's the layman's term. That's right. Don't Teach do your bad animals stuff. a little more respect and care. Um, what? <laughs> Besides doing that, what are some of the things that pet owners can do to help prevent drug resistance, uh, help prevent drug resistant bacteria? Sure. So there are lots of things that people can do, you know, and um, so the first is to prevent um, disease in your own pets. So, you know, avoiding letting your pets drink out of groundwater sources right. like mm -hmm. ponds, lakes and rivers. Um, there's a whole bunch of things they can get from contaminated water. Um, I also don't recommend feeding raw pet food for the same reason. Um, there have been a significant number of research papers published showing there's an increased risk of bacterial contamination in raw diets compared to cooked ones. Um, you know, and then there was one study published in Quebec in April of 2023 that showed a link between raw pet food and multi-drug resistant salmonella infections in people. And I read that and I was like, oh, yeah. holy cow, that's mm, yeah. so scary. Yeah. You know, um, talk with your vet about your pet's lifestyle, maybe, and get recommendations for what vaccinations they should have and keep those up to date. And of course, another thing people can do is follow the label on the medications your veterinarian has prescribed for your pet. So don't stop the medication sooner than your vet told you to. Don't give it to any other pets. And one of the most common misuse of antibiotic scenarios I see is when, you know, pets are prescribed eardrops for an ear infection. So as soon as the ear looks better, some people will just kind of stop using the medication, save the rest for the time the next yes. time the ears yeah. flare up. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and then we get this off and on use, right? So that can cause um, problems too. And also... Um, Follow your vet's advice for managing chronic or recurring health issues. If an infection keeps coming back, there's got to be a reason for that, you know? So dealing with that underlying cause helps prevent the need for treating with antibiotics in the first place. Um, you can see that sometimes with things like chronic urinary tract infections. I mean, some bladder stones are associated with that. So, right. you know, if you only treat with an antibiotic but don't get rid of the stones, then the infection keeps coming back. And the last thing I'd say is, oh, sorry, Rob, no, go, you go ahead, ahead. Go ahead. You finish and then we'll see. I was just going to say, um, just acknowledge too that sometimes your vet might tell you that the best course of action at this time is to do nothing but watch and wait. And that seems kind of counterintuitive or maybe a little unfair. I mean, when you think I was up all night with my sick pet, I got no sleep, and now I've taken the day off work and paid for an exam only to be told this too shall pass. You know, what's with that? Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> You know, bear in mind, you know, your vet might just be thinking um, antimicrobial resistance is a problem and I think your pet can handle this. So let's give it a chance to do that before we intervene. Fantastic. Yeah, there's so much to think about. And, and Danielle, we're pretty much wrapping up now, but I was just curious about like indoor versus outdoor pets because a lot of the things that you mentioned in terms of preventative uh, or, you know, not to further increase the chances of these bacteria 
um, in your pets uh, have a lot, you know, a of lifestyle. these outdoor lifestyles, right? Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. So are mm-hmm. your indoor cats facing the same kind of or potential or issues? Well, I think I think it really depends on lifestyle, like you say, you know, and I think that, you know, I mean, in most people's indoor homes, I mean, you know, they have good sanitation, yep, they yep. have, you know, safe food practices and all that kind of stuff. You know, I think that the risk is less, um, definitely higher if, you know, they're in an environment where, you know, they're more likely to pick up disease or infectious disease from, you know, other animals, eating feces, drinking mm. out of groundwater, those kinds of things. Yeah. And so much of that you can't control, obviously, if you're taking your dog out all the time. The things you could control are stuff like the raw food thing versus yeah, versus yeah. the puddle drinking. Yeah, exactly. Daniel, thank you. You're welcome. As usual, very informative segments with Dr. Danielle Johnkind. You can tune in weekly for Ask a Vet. Hi, I'm Stephen Scott. Join me every day for Double Tap. It's a show where we occasionally talk about technology for blind and partially sighted people. You'll find us wherever you get your podcasts. Veterinarian.